Welcome to Ripple Effect Connection. I'm your host, Christy Hugic. Throughout my own journey, I've been blessed to form deep connections with incredible souls who've enriched my life with their insights. Today, I'm excited to extend these connections to you, bridging the gap between impactful messages and inspiring messengers. On this podcast, with the help of my guests, you'll find a diverse range of topics delving into nutrition, fitness, holistic health, and the power of mindset. Our goal is to ignite transformative discussions that create a ripple effect of positive change in your life and the lives of others. On today's episode, you'll meet Dr. Alan Sidorsky, a Canadian native whose passion for the outdoors and sports led him to pursue an undergraduate degree in physical education kinesiology at the University of Calgary. His journey into chiropractic medicine, however, was sparked by a personal health experience that left a profound impact on his life. Eventually encouraged by his doctor to pursue chiropractic as a career, Dr. Sadorsky embarked on a path that would see him studying chiropractic medicine at Palmer College in San Jose, California. He began his career alongside Dr. Thomas Hyde, a renowned expert in chiropractic care for athletes. Dr. Allen's always up on the latest advancements in therapies and believes in a collaborative approach to a patient's well-being. Driven by a philosophy rooted in treating others with the same care and respect he values, Dr. Allen integrates his principle into both his personal and professional life. You won't meet a more knowledgeable, caring individual. As you listen to the podcast, you'll discover that chiropractic care extends well beyond back-related issues. We'll delve into dispelling misconceptions about chiropractic while explaining its diverse benefits. Let us help you separate the truth from the rumors. Here now is my discussion with my good friend, Dr. Alan Sadorsky. All right, this episode, we've been looking forward to it for a long time. I'm welcoming Dr. Alan Sadorsky to the podcast. So official, this is your official welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Christy. Uh, we thought it'd be really cool to dig into some myths about chiropractic, which we'll get into. But I start every episode with my guests and ask the first question, and it is, what is your why? So how did you find chiropractic, and why is this what you chose to do? I found chiropractic actually in high school, having a little back injury, and... Uh actually started with a neck injury playing rugby and um that was my first experience hurt my neck temporarily had loss of feeling in my arms and legs i finished playing the game because now you know we treat injuries differently but (laughs) after laying there kind of contemplating what if i was going to get feeling back into my uh, arms and legs i couldn't straighten my neck up and um my mom was like, straighten your neck. I'm like, I can't. And so she took me to a chiropractor and he adjusted me. And my first adjustment basically was after x-rays. He looked at my neck after the trauma and looked like a triangle. If you put a pencil between my ears and shoulders and he goes, this is not good. He goes, I'm going to try to realign this and adjust this. And, um, when he did, I couldn't stop laughing for about five minutes. He left the room, came back, still laughing, came back in. I finally got myself together. I'm like, what the heck did you do? And I said, that was incredible. And then everyone's like, that's when you want to be a chiropractor? I'm like, nope. That's when I'm like, okay, I can go back playing rugby. Then I hurt my back playing football. And uh, 
chiropractor at the time, different chiropractor, he says, what are you going to do with your degree? You're studying exercise physiology. I said, I'm going to go teach scuba diving down in the Bahamas. And he goes, no, really, seriously. I said, that's what I'm seriously planning. He goes, you should look into chiropractic. I think you should be good at it. I'm like, all right. So now 28 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, <laughs> How old were you when you got that first adjustment? The first you're adjustment right? was probably 16 years old. 16. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while. I think my first one, believe it or not, of all the, with all the sports I played, actually didn't come until it was my senior year of college, which is scary when I think about all the sports I had played before that. My senior year of college, and uh, we had a couple really big games pretty close together toward the end of our season, and I was pretty fatigued and tired, and my back was bothering me, and Coach Rose Holler, who I had on my podcast uh, a couple of episodes ago, said to me, we need to get you to a chiropractor. And I immediately, honestly, felt better and was able to play. And that was the first time I had gotten it. And it was, I know you all have different methods, which we'll get into too, because every chiropractor I feel like is very different than, yep. than the next. And we'll get into that too. But, you know, I wish I had, like everything, wish I had known more <laughs> back then that, and as much as I know now. So I think we need to maybe just explain to people in general there are some people that will be listening to this that haven't been to a chiropractor. So if, can you explain just in general what chiropractic is? Well, chiropractic basically is the art and science of basically how the body moves and the relationship between the nervous system and the muscle system and how it relates to the rest of just your body doing what it's supposed to do. So it's the intimate connection, obviously, your brain to the spinal cord into those spinal nerves. Those all exit right next to 137 spinal joints. And when those joints aren't moving correctly, you'll have inflammation and irritation. And that can cause things going on just from simple movements to irritations into things such as gut linings and how your lungs work and how your heart rate is. And that's kind of the, the magic, I guess, behind chiropractic because it's simply just restoring function to the spine. Yeah, and I think when you look at the diagram of the spine and you see like where all the nerves are, like it, it really would make sense. So I would suggest to anyone who hasn't done it, like even just get a diagram on the internet, you know, search for that. And when you look at where these nerves go and the things they're connected to, it makes sense. So now it's like to the point where when something's wrong, it's like the first thing I try is looking at, is there a bone out of place that could be causing this? It's like the first thing I think of instead of the last for which it might be for most people. And look, sometimes there are other things going on, but a lot of times an adjustment can really, really help that. So I know we're going to get into that. But well, one of my, like talk about my why, like one of the funny things that was kind of anecdotal at the time, I didn't realize it until I was actually in school studying chiropractic is that when I went for that low back problem that I had from football, the chiropractor looked at my whole spine and up in my uh, top of my thoracic spine in between my shoulder blades, he said, you have a problem up here. I'm like, okay. He's like, do you want me to fix it? I said, sure, go ahead. And, um, at the time, I'd been I was on an inhaler for exercise-induced asthma, and <clears throat> what would happen was I'd go out and exercise, and I get an asthma, uh, have an asthmatic attack, take a couple puffs of my inhaler, vasodilates my lungs, it's all good. It must be I must have you know exercise-induced asthma. He started working on that spot, and all of a sudden I didn't was noticing I was exercising and I didn't have to use my inhaler anymore, and he was. He didn't mention it. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to him because I didn't make, I didn't make the connection until I was in chiropractic college, and I was like, "Holy crap! These are the, 
this is where this is why my asthma went away. It wasn't that I had asthma; it's that I had some dorsal vertebrae that were not functioning properly, and they would irritate those nerves every time I exercise because there was not good function in that area. And when he restored the function, the asthma went away. Now, am I saying chiropractors can cure asthma? No, but I'm saying a lot of times you can have a condition that looks like something that the medical doctors may give you a medication for, and it works great treating the symptoms, but the root cause is coming from something else. And, you know, if it fits the bucket, they'll put it in there. Just, you know, that's norm. Well, that's why I feel like I liked functional medicine before I knew I liked functional medicine is because I was into this part of chiropractic, which is very much like functional medicine. We're trying to get to the root cause. We're looking at ways to heal the body that have nothing to do necessarily with medications. I say this all the time. I'm not disparaging you know, Western medicine, there's a need for it at times. There's needs for certain medications, but I also know that, you know, let the body do its thing if it can, because the body does do amazing things. And I think we'll get into this too, but it's not just your neck or just your back. It's having everything in line. And I think a lot of this will come out in our, in our myths when we get to that. So one thing you sent me as we were preparing for this that I didn't know was that chiropractic had been around since 1895. It feels like some of these myths maybe have been around as long. Why are there so many myths in general about chiropractic? I think just having practiced for as long as I practice now, I think a lot of the myths come from just lack of knowledge or assumptions. And so, you know, of course your, your mom doesn't like to hear the noise of your knuckles crack. And so of course she tells you not to do that because you'll end up with big swollen knuckles and arthritic knuckles. Well, that that's not true. It's just something she tells you just to, you know, it's like, don't make this face or you'll get stuck like that. Right. Like she just wants you to stop. And so, you know, a little bit of fear, you know, put in there and you know, no, no one ever questions it. And then that leads down that where start, you know, people start saying things and go, Oh, okay. Well, and the other thing too, is a lot of people don't, or haven't ever used chiropractic care. The the utilization rate is um, somewhere in around twenty percent, twenty five percent of the population. That low? It's super wow. low. Wow. And I may be even giving it too high of a number right now. Um, and that for me is is one of the things. So when you don't know something, you, you know, you tend to create myths about it, and just to kind of in your mind have some some kind of answer when people ask you about it, but. I always tell people like we're basically we're mechanics. We're just trying to get, but we work instead of cars, we're working on the body and we're just trying to put things the way they were supposed to. So the body can work the way it's supposed to work. And everyone says, well, that doesn't sound very complicated. And I'm like, to be honest, it's not <laughs> like <Right. laughs> once you've done it that long, it's like, people are like, how'd you know that hurt? I'm like, cause it doesn't move. All right. What do you mean? Like it doesn't move. I'm like, it's supposed to move. It's a joint. It's supposed to move. So when you get to that point where it's like, I don't know, like, okay, does chiropractic adjustments hurt? Well, typically when we're going into a joint that doesn't move, the joint's already sore. So when we palpate it, there's pain associated with it. When it's swollen, it's irritated, it's, it's hypersensitive. When we get that function back, there may be, you know, 24 to 48 hours where you're like, oh, okay, it was, a, it was a little bit sore because all the muscles around that little joint haven't worked because they haven't had to because the joint was fixated and didn't, didn't move. So... I think, you know, people are like, oh, I went to a chiropractor and I was sore. And then someone hears that and they're like, oh, that's an unknown to me. Like, well, soreness, chiropractic. So now it's like, well, chiropractic, when you go to the chiropractor, it hurts. Not usually. Right. Uh, usually you get almost instantaneous relief, kind of like I did with my first adjustment of my right, neck. Right, right. 
Yeah, it does happen. I mean, I've been sore, but I also know that the next day I usually, you know, you're coming out on the other side of it because your muscles are spasming because they're trying to protect you. Yep. And that is your, again, your body is trying to do what it's designed to do. Your body is trying to protect you. So when that releases, yeah, it does take time, you know, to come out on the other side of it. Well, so there's a healing response, right? So right. You know, there's that, some inflammation pain that comes with it to help clear out those inflammatory um, chemicals that are in that joint to begin with. And so it takes, that takes a little bit of time for your body to kind of deal with that, especially, you know, if you're not hydrated well enough, if, if your body is not used to having that neurolog neurological input, then all of a sudden that's online again too. And you're now recalibrating that. And so there's a lot of other things like it does get the science behind it is much more deep that we know now. Um, and again, it took us a while to figure out the science and for there to be the monies to investigate the science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I'll go back real quick before we go to the myths, go back to your car analogy, because there's always the one that I give you. Like, uh, this is what I said to Dr. Allen all the time. I'm really going to try hard to come and see you when I need an oil change and not a new transmission. Yeah, so <laughs> continuing on the car theme, that is, I do believe it's great for maintenance and we'll, we'll get into all that too. But our, our first myth, it's like drum roll, please. The first myth that we're going to talk about today is I'm going to read the myth and then Dr. Allen's going to talk about that myth and kind of dispel it because I think most of these are, are very untrue. But uh, number one myth is you can you can do it yourself. Yeah, that's the big myth. Um, usually what I'll tell patients is once they come in, they're like, yeah, I'm adjusting my own neck. I'm like, what you're telling me is you got a problem in your neck. And when you're trying to adjust certain things, and you'll see those kids that are grabbing their head and twisting it, um, you're usually moving the hypermobile segment. So as the spine basically gets fixated in certain areas, being a smart and intelligent body, it's going to loosen up some other areas so you can still do the things that you're trying to do. When you're trying to put those forces into your own, especially spine, you're typically mobilizing the joint that's already become hypermobile to make up for the one that's fixated. Now, like I said, you know, give you don't have to be a marksman to use a gun, but if you want to hit your target, you kind of need to be trained and know how to use it. And that's what, you know, we're basically go through all the, the training that we're given to find those segments to mobilize them properly with the least amount of possible bad side effects to come. Yeah. And I would say my advice to people on that one would be, yeah, leave that to the, uh, leave the adjusting to the professionals, <laughs> but, uh, what you can do your part of it is, you know, doing exercises to increase mobility and stretching and things like that, that make your job easier. So stay away from the adjustments. That's my, leave that to the yeah. professionals. Self-adjusting. Yeah. That's Self -adjusting, probably big, big myth. <laughs> not recommended. Um, okay. Number two, it's not safe kind of on that vein too, that it's not a safe thing. It's, I've been practicing 28 years. Everyone's like, have you ever had anything go wrong? To my knowledge, no. There was maybe one lady that I was adjusting her thoracic spine and she was probably a little bit older. And I was worried a little bit if maybe a rib may have cracked. Um, you try to, every patient has a own, their own specific treatment protocol. And as a clinician and in terms of what we're taught doing our exam, we're trying to make sure that we're not going to do anything. The last thing any doctor, whether it's a chiropractor, medical doctor, DO wants to do is hurt their patient. It's not why we got into the business. It's not what we're here for. We're trying to basically help. And so the initial exam that we do and we're trained to do is to identify any possible underlying conditions that may make it more risky for one person versus another. Like if you're a female, you're a smoker and you're on birth control pills, 
you're at higher risk for strokes and those type of things. And that goes into one of the ones that was in the media a lot was that chiropractic and you know, adjustments of the neck can cause strokes. And if you extend the neck and you rotate the neck, you're creating tension on the carotid artery. And if you have unhealthy carotid arteries to begin with, maybe it's not the first thing you want to do as a chiropractor, go in there and, and you know, aggressively adjusting someone in the cervical spine. Find a different method that you don't have to extend and rotate that person. You know, especially, like I said, if their underlying health is already bad, you're, they're probably, the vessels in their, their body completely are not great. But I think at the same time that people don't realize is there's things that um, kind of from the stroke standpoint where you have carotid arteries that can spontaneously just have intimal tears. And that will lead to a stroke. And it's not, it's very rare. But if you have this happening, one of the things you get is like headache and neck pain. If I told you how many headaches and neck pains I see on a daily basis, right? Like chances are eventually one of these rare conditions may walk into my office and they're basically having a spontaneous um, intimal tear and this carotid dissection is, is basically happening. And if they don't go to the hospital first per se, or let's say they do go to the hospital and the hospital sees them, they're going to give them medication. They're going to get a couple x-rays, send them home with that medication, and maybe they have their stroke at home. Well, the intervention was orally, so there's a space between that and, and what happened, and the patient ends up either having that can go through its, um, to its completion where the intimal uh, lining does tear and the carotid basically does have this spontaneous uh, rupture um, that leads to a clot, and then that clot can lead to a stroke. If you come into a chiropractic office and you're having that and you don't realize it and the chiropractor kind of you know, they're difficult to diagnose, does what he does. You go home and you have your stroke. Well, you know, next thing you know, you're being asked, like, what was the last thing you did before you had your stroke? Well, you went to the chiropractor. And I think some of the evidence shows that there is no um, correlation when they look retrospectively back at there. Is it something that we're trained to try to identify and to minimize? Absolutely. Like, it goes back to what I said. None of us are trying to hurt a patient. Um, we only get into this, I mean, to help patients. That's that's our calling, so to speak. That's our part. Another part of our why is because we want to help. We're you know we want to try to make people fi fi get fixed, uh, so to speak. But really, getting fixed is your own body healing itself by removing any any interference. And a lot of people say like, okay, I'm putting this bone back into place, and they're putting you know that and it's. That's kind of old terminology, but it is, is um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically restoring function. It's funny that there are certain things that people won't look at as a risk, but then look at this as a risk. It's, it, it's just, look, there's something could go wrong with anything, anything, well, anything, Yep. Or right? The, anything. People typically will grab ibuprofen or, or Tylenol, right? Like an over-the-counter NSAID. Those lead to thousands of people dying per year, but nobody ever hears of it, right? right? I mean, stomach bleeds, GI bleeds. And it's one of those things that there is a risk to almost every intervention, right? I always use the analogy, you drive down I-4, there's a risk. Yeah. Right? And yep. so um, you've got to kind of look, and that's the, that's the importance of doing a good thorough examination. And, you know, that with any practitioner, if you're not having a good thorough uh, um, examination, you should kind of reconsider maybe where or who you're, is in your healthcare team. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think that you touched on before that I wanted to say too, because I have experienced this too, is that if your body's not responding to a certain way you're being adjusted, you have different methods. Yeah. And tell, and tell the doctor, like that's the big thing with any 
doctor-patient relationship is communication, right? I mean, if you don't have that open dialogue and communication, and to a certain extent, trust that you can trust the doctor, like, hey, you know what? I hope you're not going to get mad. And I always tell patients, I'm like, listen, you're your best doctor, not me, right? I mean, I'm here to assist, but you know your body better than anyone else on the planet. So someone, some doctors tell you, like, I know best for you. No, they know what they studied. Right, right. And that leads us to probably our next thing, too. Chiropractors, our next myth is chiropractors aren't real doctors. Yeah, we should get that one a lot. In fact, I just read that one on a, uh, I think it was an Instagram or it's a post or a Facebook well, that post. That must or be true if it's of on course, Instagram. It's, also, social media, it's 100% <laughs> true. Most people don't realize we go through four years of education, and I think it's four, around 4,800 hours, which is equivalent to exactly what a medical doctor's training would be. Um, you go in with an undergrad. In Florida, you have to have an undergrad degree to be licensed. Um, to go with your doctorate. So it's eight years total education. Um, I always say I was fortunate because my undergrad degree in exercise physiology gave me that kind of background of, of knowing the human body, studying the human body. I think I've taken different anatomy classes like three to four times. So it's that familiarization with, with what we're working on. And then where it differs is medical doctors then start training in medication and pharmacology. We study physical medicine, so we study the adjustments. We study uh, electrical um, interferential or pre-modulated uh, current, electrical current. Um, we study ultrasound. We study diathermy. We study X-ray. Um, those type of different courses and and people are, and nutrition and because that's those are becomes those are our tool bag, so to speak. Where in you know you'll see the medical doctor their tool bag is their prescription pad and then the, the plethora of different medications they could give you well ours are all physical modalities so whether that's such soft tissue massage graston um, ultrasound those type of um, interventions um, to help deal with those conditions of inflammation and muscle spasm and, and joint restriction so that we can actually get the body free of its dysfunction and do what it needs to do yeah, and the, I mean, I've experienced certainly a lot of those, you know, with you, with you all. I mean, I have my own e-stim here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly I use the Hypervolt at home. <laughs> so it's like a, I've got my own bag of tools here thanks to, thanks to you. Well, I think that's what doctors, like people don't realize doctors doesn't mean to fix. Doctors means to teach, right? So you get professors at these universities and their PhDs and those are doctors, right? By title, they're doctors. And, and while we don't learn how to prescribe medication, and nor would I let any of my chiropractic colleagues prescribe me anything because it's outside our scope of practice. Um, that's also why you know I, I employ a medical doctor at our clinic, and I, I also have been working multidisciplinary for twenty of the twenty-eight years. Like so, a lot of people to, to think, well, they, we don't even work together anymore. And a lot of those myths, I think, come from at one point in time in the '60s, the AMA came up uh, with a little um, group called the Council of Quackery. And the Council of Quackery kind of tried to spread a lot of um, mistruths and uh, myths to scare people away from chiropractic because they wanted a monopoly in terms of how the healthcare field was gonna be in North America. And that went to trial um, for for them restricting trade. And it basically, um, they lost at the end of it, gave a lot of money to basically then have studies uh, like the RAND study to you know, low back pain and chiropractic and show how effective chiropractic was, which kind of, uh, I think goes into one of our other myths is, is that basically there's no research behind chiropractic. Well, there's a boatload of research and a lot of it's come since the 1980s, since that, uh, that decision was made. And the EMA actually had to pay the 
chiropractic profession a bunch of money, and they took that money and started doing a bunch of peer-reviewed and double-blind studies on, on chiropractic and its effectiveness. In fact, there's one that just came out um, quite a few, well, probably maybe in the last five years, about chiropractic manipulation and blood pressure. And if anyone does like a PubMed search, they'll see what like how much research there is now on it. Yeah, there is a lot. And I'll link in the show notes too um, some of the research too because pub pub you know the pubmed health uh pages those are the the ones that i trust obviously and if you're a person at home and you're trying to decipher what's a valid study and what's not the pubmed pubmed lays out everything mm-hmm. for you so that you know who did the study and if there was any you know in- interest any uh you know anything that could you know could could skew it because i think what happens is there's a lot of articles with a lot of data and those data points, no one really knows how that study was done. And there's a lot of ways that studies can be manipulated to get the desired desired result. Yeah. So I, I remember in college when I was working with one of the researchers at school that pulling studies, I read this, pulled this study out, read through the numbers. I'm like, okay, well, that obviously the conclusion is going to be this. And the conclusion was actually 180 degrees opposite of what it should have been based on the information. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. That's something I've definitely learned. There are some really good functional medicine doctors out there that they cite a lot of studies in their articles. And I love that because they link the PubMed studies. And I think that that's really awesome and really good to do because then people can really read it for themselves. I just did this, you'll appreciate this, for a client of mine who was taking Metamucil for years. Okay. And, you know, I was just getting involved in, in his case and it was telling me how long he was taking Metamucil for. So what I did was I broke down every ingredient in that Metamucil with a PubMed study based on what that ingredient was and how detrimental it could actually be to the GI tract, which is counterproductive to what you're trying to do with Metamucil. I said, you could do all this and risk more damage, or you could just order organic psyllium husk off Amazon. Yeah, that's the main active ingredient, obviously. Metamucil right. is the psyllium husk, and then the other stuff is just to make it palpable, to make it go down. Yeah, which... And stay on the shelf. And they cause GI issues. <laughs> and so it's like, well, this is a person who the doctor told them to prevent diverticulitis to take Metamucil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but there are things in there that could actually exacerbate the diverticulitis. So either you could keep taking that, or you could um, take organic psyllium husk. And he looked at it and he was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And that's the case. You know, most people don't. So do your research is what I would advice there too i think most that's what most people do right they 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 trust they either find a source that they trust and they they honestly believe that that source did the research for them already in most cases the it's depending on who you're getting the information from they didn't have time to do the the background of it they they got the coles notes version or the cliff notes version down here i'm <laughs> my canadian coming through there um <laughs> But they'll do the Cliff Notes version of it and um, and give you what they heard. And, you know, it's actually one of those things that if you don't kind of dive into it, it's easy to get fooled. And, it's, you know, you go you've, at the end of the day, well, I don't know how many times you and I have talked about this, but, you know, follow the money, right? Like there's not yep. a whole lot of money in psyllium husk, but right. when you combine it with Tang. And yeah. <laughs> yes. 
yes. make it more powerful and put a big advertising campaign about behind it, you know, you've got a pretty good product. Yeah. There, right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we could go down rabbit holes with that because we do. Yes. Our, our, <laughs> our appointments are like one big rabbit hole as he beats me up with the Groston. Um, they're usually one big rabbit hole. So um, next myth is that I'll have to keep going forever. Yeah, that is, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we talked about taking the car and we'd use that analogy again and getting your oil changed. It's like, yeah, I mean, once you get your oil changed, it's not a, if you want to, it's, do you want your car to last or not? And I think a lot of people think that once they've gone, they have to go. And what I found with my time practicing is that once people feel like, oh, this is how it's supposed to, this is how my body's supposed to work. This is, I'm not supposed to have pain every time I move. It's not a matter of that I have to come back. It's that they want to. I mean, that's, I think, the reason why that myth is there. And I think it's that myth probably comes from people that have talked to other people that go to the chiropractor and they feel like they're always going. And so it, that's how it's propagated. I know our, for, for my clinic, we'll give you guys like recommendation as, parent, as patients. Like this would be the treatment plan. And once you're done the treatment plan, everyone's like, then what? Well, we move out of an acute phase where you're getting treated for your injury or for, for what's hurting. And then it's, you know, people use the word maintenance phase. I, I don't like it. I, I prefer performance phase, mm-hmm. right? So you're now coming in to maintain your performance for everyday life activities, whether that's getting out of bed, you know, doing your job, having an athletic sport. And I think that is the reason why, like, if you go to any, look at any Olympic team, look at any NFL team, any of these professional sports people, they have these groups of providers that are there to help their performance right obviously to prevent injury as well but to maintain function and for the you know what you think you need to go forever you know like anything there's a lot of sales pitches i guess you could say in certain practices and that's when you kind of got to be your best doctor and go like what do i need and that's why i tell patients is like what do you need mm-hmm. i don't know that you know mm-hmm. that so you don't want to wait till you need the transmission replaced. You, right. you want to come back in when you just need another kind of oil change or maybe have the oil topped up. And that may just because something is just not as easy to wash your back in the shower in the morning or right. not as easy to bend over and brush your teeth. And you're like, you know what? I think I need to go because something's not functioning right. And you're intimately going to know that the best if you're paying attention to what your body's telling you right. in terms of function. And that's the clear case is that you didn't know how bad you felt till you felt good. But then when you feel good, you're kind of sensitive and then you're like, oh, something's a little out of whack. So you become more aware. Yep. And I know like for me, it's like the Grostin, which probably is a separate podcast and we can talk about <laughs> Grostin. But I mean, Grostin looks like, what do I I call it the butter knife, but it definitely looks like worse than the butter knife. But Evil the butter, dental tools, the, I've heard. The butter knife is wor- is good for me for maintenance mm-hmm. it really helps me and it helps you move things Correct. when you need to so Groston is something that i think if you're an athlete listening to this and you're not getting Groston, you know it's i guess what, what would i say i mean cupping does similar things well it's right? it's, it's addressing the fascia and the soft mm-hmm. tissue right so your joints all have, are moved by muscles and uh, tendons that attach into those areas. And that soft tissue sometimes becomes the problem. So you can adjust a joint all day long, but if you don't uh, hit the attachment points of the muscles that are moving it, then you're still going to have a problem possibly there. And that's where, you know, for, for how I practice, Graston's become a very kind of hand in glove. It's like, let's treat this whole component so that I can minimize the time, amount of times I need to see you. And yeah. that's what I always tell patients is like, no, I'm, I'm already married and I don't need another, another 
spouse. So I don't need to see you all the time. I don't, I want to get you better get you to a point where, where you're happy and where you're functional as we can get you. And then, you know, if I, if it's every quarter I see you, which is four times a year, or if it's every other month, which is, you know, six times a year, or if you have a real physical job and maybe I'm seeing you every other week. All right. Um, I've got a performer right now that works at Disney and she, she's having some troubles. Right. And so she, but every day for her, she's doing, you know, Cirque du Soleil type stuff. And it becomes one of those situations where it's like, yeah, she needs more maintenance or performance care than All right. say like you or I that aren't yeah. doing those type well, of things. And when I was teaching classes and working out, like I needed more because I was really taxing. That's a lot. That yeah. was a lot on the, physical the body. demands, right? Yeah. And I mean, what do we use the, um, the boots, you know, the, Normatech. Normatech boots, which I love too for recovery. Cause that's what, I, I mean, sometimes I was teaching more than one class, you know, in a day. And so that's what I'm saying. You need, it's like, you can't have a hammer when you need a screwdriver either. You kind of got to know the right tool, but that's what you help people decipher and, and why I like it too. And that probably goes into one of the other myths too, which is uh, we only crack backs or we only well, it's treat, only backs. Yeah. Yes. It's only backs. Right. I mean, if I, I'll, Every week I practice, I probably have, a, if I, the majority is backs and, and then necks and then probably some headaches and then it's probably shoulders and knees and then hips. Um, and maybe not in that order, but it's, it's a whole body. I mean, that's the whole idea is the whole function of the human body. But also too, and you'll agree with this because no offense to my orthopedic friends. I have a very good orthopedic doctor that I see for my shoulder and for my knee. And I, I, I know he's a good orthopedic doctor, but I also know that the orthopedic doctors are not looking up and down the kinetic chain necessarily. And so sometimes like, well, if so your knee's not feeling good, did you check your hip? Did, did you get your ankle checked? They're not necessarily doing those things. And so that's why I like it too, is because especially as a personal trainer, you learn that, you know, just where you feel the pain is not usually where the heart of the problem is. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important for when you're, and I feel, I feel sad for a lot of my medical friends that, are being now compartmentalized into seeing a patient five minutes and expecting to fix the world. And it's, it's not fair to them. They, you know, especially my orthopedic friends who I've got a lot of, I mean, they're, they're carpenters, right? Mm -hmm. I call my cardiologist friends, they're, they're plumb, they're plumbers. And you know, my neurologist friends are electricians, um, because of what you're working on and you start to compartmentalize these parts of the body and, and it, it, and then you give a time crunch and it becomes a situation where you know it, but now you're crunched on time and what are you going to give up? And a lot of times it's like, okay, let me pay attention to that knee because that's what the patient came into and said, I had a knee problem. And you just, not that you don't know to check up or check down. It's just, you don't have the time. And I think for them, that is not that they don't know. It's just that it's sometimes if you don't address that, you leave the patient now is like yeah. mad at you because they're like, why were you looking at my hip when I called you All point right. blank? It All was right. my knee pain. And so I think it's, you know, is there some out there that maybe don't or have forgotten? Maybe, but I think for the majority of it, it's a, it's a pressure of time. With the the beauty of the way I practice, at least, is, is um, I don't try to limit myself to a certain. I give my patients quite a bit of time so that I can go through those kinetic changes. Because at the end of the day, my advertising is how yeah. the patient's outcome is, and I'm not relying on maybe a, an insurance book or something for right. to say, okay, well, go to this place or go to that place and. Um, and again, at the end of the day, those, those professionals are, we're all, like I said, working to try to get it better. And, and they're 
somewhat limited. I always, when I worked with uh, Tom Hyde, who was the kind of one of my mentors when I came to Florida, he was the chiropractor for Miami Dolphins. And it, that's where my kind of ideology of, of having a healthcare team, right? You want to have all of these people around you that, so you can bounce these ideas yeah. off. But the, the, the loneliest people at the table when we were there were the orthopedics, because if a patient, if the, if the team member or the quarterback or running back or whoever outside back needed to have the orthopedic, they're usually done for the right. rest of the year right. where the rest of us are basically keeping them going, you know, from day to day, um, and those type of things. And it's, it's, I think when it comes down to, like you said, that they, are they looking there? I think what's on, they kind of get that tunnel vision just because of time. I don't think it's, I don't, I hope it's not because they don't know. <laughs> well, I think the other part of it, it was, which we'll get into because the other myth is that chiropractic is costly. But one of the things I think orthopedics get limited by too, is like, they're not allowed to look at another body body part in the same appointment. Yeah. So I think that that is a hang up too, because I also think when you go to physical therapy, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of times they're not necessarily working up and down the chain either. And I do think that some of that gets limited by insurance yeah, insurance is no. You're that? exactly right. Yeah. The insurance, like the insurance, is trying to basically dictate the care, which is a lot of times, I, from what I've been told and from my understanding, is why a lot of these orthopedics, like you have to make another appointment, come back, tell me about right. your ankle, or come back and tell me about your shoulder. I'm not going to take. I can't take care of it because it, they limit the diagnosis, so to speak, to one area, and um, it's kind of unfortunate. And I know it definitely puts a pressure on those practitioners, even with the physical therapist, um, a lot of them have to have the referral, not all of them anymore, but a lot of them have to used to have to have the referral from the orthopedist or from the medical doctor to treat an area and puts a lot of pressure on the physical therapist because the physical therapist now has to work off that order. And if they start doing things off the order, then they're possibly not going to get covered by the insurance depending on how they, you know, document that treatment. Yeah. So let's talk about the cost then of chiropractic because that generally leads into there. I think to me it's, there's more, I feel, insurance coverage now than there was a long time ago, but it still can be difficult to get, you know, insurance coverage. So can you talk about just the myth that it's, it's costly? I mean, it's, I look at it from a standpoint of it's, everything's costly these days. I went and bought eggs a couple before Thanksgiving and <laughs> they're costly too now. Um, but it's, it's relatively inexpensive when you compare it to like things like so massage. If you're th- thinking, oh, good, good, go, I got a sore shoulder, I'm going to go get a massage. You're going to pay anywhere from, and we're probably from, if you get a cheap one, from $45 to $50, all the way up to $150, depending on how much time is spent working on you. Chiropractic kind of falls into that same area. I mean, if you were to walk into a center care, if you don't have insurance, you're paying $150. That's, you know, you're going to be in there. It's going to be 150 bucks, depending on what they have to do. And you're going to get a prescription walk out and then you're going to get hit at the pharmacy for again, whatever that price is. Chiropractic falls into that same kind of, kind of line in terms of, um, if you're self-paying, most insurances do cover it. Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, um, go down the list. It is a certain number of appointments that I have, right? Because yeah. I think it's like 16 visits or something like that for the year. Depending on the policy mm-hmm. you'll have, and that's a whole nother big giant rabbit hole. Right. That's, that's someone you should have on as an insurance person. <laughs> I could do pot, multiple podcasts on insurance. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, it's, it becomes a rabbit hole because like a lot of people are like, well, if my insurance doesn't cover it, I'm not doing it, 
right? Because again, they've defaulted to accept that their insurance must know, you know, that, and at the end of the day, the insurance company is just trying to make money for their shareholders, right? Right. So the more they can limit your care, the better. Um, there's not one doctor I know that deals with insurance that's happy with dealing with insurance just because of the caveats and handcuffs they put on us all. Um, but in terms of uh, limiting the number of visits, some of them will cover up to so many visits. I know like um, Disney cast members have so many ca- uh, visits that are built into their mm-hmm. situation. And actually when United Healthcare took over management of it, they kind of messed it up a little bit. And oh boy, did a lot of people get uh, irritated because all of a sudden United Healthcare was saying that you had to have a problem to go with it. With it. Well, Disney was using it like athletes use it for maintenance care, like basically to this is a perk that you can do to keep yourself healthy. Um, massage is also, I think, a part of that if it hasn't been taken out. But the um, the myth of it being expensive, I think it maybe falls in line with that. Once you keep going, you have to always go, right? It's kind of like if you're driving a, you know, a Mercedes or a Ferrari, it's going to be a little bit more expensive than you're, you know, if you're driving and maintaining a Yugo. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's People get to, you know, at least in this country, choose the way they want to live. And they can choose to to go the cheap route and, you know, buy the cheapest groceries and the cheapest gas in their car and all those things. And then, the, you know, deal with the consequences when they come. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go, you know, shop and buy organic or you can, you know, put good foods in your body. You can hydrate well. You can use better water. And then from that standpoint, it becomes less expensive when I get somebody... When I get young people into the office, right, it doesn't take me as much care to treat them because they don't have as much physical wear and tear on their body, right? Yeah. That's it's easy for from yeah. for, for a younger person when they come in to get care, just because they haven't had to sit at a desk for, you know, forty hours or fifty hours a week times fifty weeks in a year, right? right? And and a lot of people are like, well, yeah. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? It's like, no, we're supposed to move, right? That's the whole 100%. idea, is, right? We're supposed to have function, right? And function is movement. Desk jobs are brutal. brutal. If, if you got a desk job and you're not getting up and, I mean, I had to do it. I had to start setting alarms. I have a stand-up desk now. I I move a lot. And it's funny because, you know, you, you don't understand that even if you're exercising like I was at the end of the day, every day I was exercising, I would get out for a walk you're not undoing the damage that you have from sitting as many hours continuously. Like you just have to get up and take breaks. You know, I like 20 minute, you know, I'll take like 20 minute breaks. I'll get up and do a stretch. If I'm standing at my desk, I know a lot of my, my friends at Dr. Cole's clinics, they, and Dr. Cole does this too. They walk on their little treadmills during the day. Um, so yeah, there, I just think that sitting can be so, you see it all the time, I'm sure. Sitting can be just really undo a lot of good things very, very quickly. Um, okay, the next thing is, and you touched on it because you mentioned young people. The next myth would be kids don't need it. Yeah, um, I've got two young kids, as you know, and uh, they both play sports, soccer being the main one. And um, they'll, they're at a point now where they're educated to the you know 15 and 16 years old. They'll ask me, like, Dad, I need adjusted. And how do they know? It's not that they're in pain. They just know you know their body. Uh, that proprioceptive, proprioceptive awareness that they've now understood if this is working with this is not working. And the role of, of being born is, is not for the faint of heart for, <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who's ever witnessed a, um, a birth. I mean, it is quite traumatic. And um, there can be kids that, uh, the big one is younger kids with ear infections and 
you know, the, the reason why is because as you come out of the vaginal canal, you're turning the head to get the shoulders past. And that rotation on, on that neck, of obviously from sitting in that uterus and floating around in this zero gravity kind of environment, um, to now being grabbed by the head and, and pulled through that, uh, that situation, can, can sometimes lead to disalignments uh, of the soft tissue. And most of the soft, there's not bones when you're born, so it's, the joints are cartilaginous. So it really is, is almost like you're not really adjusting like you would an adult. You're adjusting in techniques that are more just, again, to try to restore function and movement. Um, so you don't have these audible pops and these things on young, young children. Like the youngest person I've ever adjusted think was a week old oh wow um the oldest person i adjusted was in their 90s so it's like you know one of the sayings in, in school was from birth to grave um you know you want to basically be adjusted to get everything moving and it's yeah i mean it's one of those things there's even specialized pediatric chiropractors who just all they see all day long mm-hmm. is, is peds patient and a lot of people ask me like do you do i, do I specialize in peds I, I don't i won't say i specialize in it. it's not the majority of my practice um, mine is probably just more functional chiropractic, but I will see peds. And like I said, I've seen, seen them from a week old is probably the youngest one. I think I adjusted my, I think I adjusted my son maybe at three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've definitely seen and seen and heard way more about that. Um, as I've learned more about this space and even general. animals get, there's some people, I know. That, a buddy of mine up in Alberta, he's uh, Dr. Blaine bug. He adjusts uh, horses. Really? Yeah, under the under the eyes of a veterinarian with them, but yeah, he and he works actually a lot of the cowboys up in Stampede and stuff. I mean, they've got the same types of joints we do. Yep. Uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. I wonder if my dogs need to be adjusted <laughs> before you leave. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and also, you you sort of touched on this before, too. We we talked about the bones crack cracking, but go more into depth of what's actually happening when the bones are cracking. Cause that is a big myth that people just are afraid of that noise and hear their bones cracking. I know you talked about the knuckles earlier. Yeah. TikTok. Thanks. Yeah. TikTok. Um, I think we can maybe do that. Oh, there you go. There you go. See, That's a that. good one. Yeah. There. I cannot do that on my hands, but I can do it on my knee. It's like popcorn. <laughs> that is gas escaping from the synovial fluid. And that's mostly nitrogen gas. Cause that what is what the atmosphere is made up of. So that popping is not bones cracking. It's not things ripping. It's that literally a physiological release. Just like when you open a can of soda or like a pop off a top of a beer or whatever, anything that's carbonated, um, you would hear that same pop. It's just the release of that gas from the fluid. The joint capsule is, uh, the synovial capsule is, is permiss- uh, has the permeability for gas to come through it. And so as the atmospheric pressure pushes more gas into our bodies, it goes into those fluids inside that, that lubricate the joints. And then when you create a negative pressure, that joint just escapes. I think we did touch on some of this already, but the last, the other one, the next one was it's going to hurt. And then nine, it was, it was, it's just for my back. Do we need to add any more? I know we kind of touched on both of those earlier. I think we covered it. I pretty think we good. covered it too. Uh, and we also kind of covered if I'm not in pain, I shouldn't go. Yep. So we covered that. So we'll go here. And the, the last, the next one we had was you need referrals from other medical doctors to go. So as chiropractic physicians in the state of Florida, we're called portal of entry, which means that we can be the first access point for someone coming into the healthcare system. That's also why we can order x-rays, MRIs, CT scans, blood work, um, basically the limitation in the state of Florida for our scope of practice. And it's different in every state, but in the state of Florida here, um, which is one of the reasons why I came here to practice, it kind of lets me use all of the training that I learned in school. And the only thing we can't do is really prescribe medications. 
So any of the pharmacological avenues we have to refer out, or in this case, our, our clinic actually has a medical doctor that will have them assess and see what medication may be necessary or if they need it at all. Um, our philosophy in our clinic is less, you know, less medication, the better, because you're born with it. You know, we hope you go out without any on it as well. So you don't need to have a medical referral. Some insurances will ask for one. Um, in the VA system where we now have um, our VA patients that are, are being referred for outside of the, um, their VA hospitals and stuff to outpatient clinics, they'll send us a referral from their medical doctor that will address that. But you don't have to have it from a standpoint of if you're coming in off the street, you don't need to have a medical doctor refer you in. The next thing is, we talked about already too, I think we covered it, but chiropractic not being evidence-based because we talked about all those studies now that there yeah, are. There are. There's, there is, there's now, and there's more coming out all the time because when, when the Wilkes trial came through, the big thing that uh, the medical profession tried to fall back on is like, well, you don't have anything to prove what you do works, i.e. it's anecdotal. Well, so basically coronary bypass surgery, you don't have you know, double-blind coronary bypass right, right. <laughs> um, studies done. But it's it's one of those things that they were trying to, they had been caught um, doing what they were doing, and they were trying to find excuses of why they were doing it. And so they were throwing things up against the wall, and the profession realized that's something we need to address. And so they did, and they had independent studies done um, where they removed themselves so that they tried to remove as much, quote-unquote, clinical biases as possible and they started with what they knew that they would find and that was low back pain and so we've gone from low back pain to cervicalgia which is neck pain to headaches like i said there's one on blood pressure um it's as we continue to do more studies we're finding the impact and the profession although it was you know um, 1895 was quote unquote the birth of, of chiropractic manipulations had been going on have been going on for thousands of years. I mean, um, there's evidence back into Chinese medicine and, and back into European medicine um, in the Roman times and stuff, like even with Graston, um, tools being used to manipulate tissue and, and those type of things. So as we kind of, you know, modernize things, it's, it's, one, of those, um, it's one of those situations where, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, not, it's, a, it's a matter of we've, we've, we're now putting quote-unquote science behind what was anecdotal at the mm -hmm. time, right? Like I went to the chiropractor, I had this, I don't have it anymore. It's kind of like I had a headache, I took ibuprofen, my headache went away. The difference is, is you know, what are we treating? The symptom of the headache or the cause of the headache? I guess with right. chiropractic from that standpoint, much like I always kind of laugh like at functional medicine from a standpoint of not laugh at it, but I mean, chiropractic kind of was the birth of functional medicine. A lot of the principles that we've been studying in chiropractic over the last hundred years are now the same principles these functional medical medicine doctors are using. And a lot of using. them are chiropractic. A there's, lot of them do have chiropractic backgrounds. A lot of them will come from chiropractic backgrounds. A lot of them basically were medical doctors and realized how mm -hmm. um, frustrating it was practicing and that there had to be a better way. And they've moved into both both realms, right? They, they're using medication when it's necessary, and and then they're using other forms of, whether it's food-based or physical therapy-based or manipulative-based or um, therapies within their team of who they're either having in-house or who they're recommending. Well, and that goes to chiropractic care is just a placebo. That's another, that's <sighs> another myth. 
That kind of plays into that. Yeah, it does play into that. And I think from a standpoint of placebo, um, I guess understanding what placebo actually is, and it actually reminds me of a, a conversation I had with one of my colleagues uh, who was, he was trying to tell me about what technique he thought was best. And I said, listen, if I could poke somebody in the eye and it would make them see again, I, you know, I would use it even if it was placebo. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, it's kind of that sensation of like, um, if you take an inert product, I guess placebo would be, it makes you feel better, but there was really nothing in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say, you know, a lot of these things are being proven now that like, if you believe something, it will come true. Right. And power of pair and those type of things, but function is function, right? It's uh, it's not religion. It's not politics. So right. it's like, I always like people say, I don't believe in chiropractic. I'm like, well, why don't you believe in it? And I'm like, do you believe a hinge should move? Right. Like should the door open and close? And they're like, well, yeah. Right. So should your joint, your joint should move. So if you, from the placebo standpoint, do you feel better when you're moving? Yes. Right. Like, right. of course you do. Um, it's, it's not smoke and mirrors. It's a, there's a, the, there's a physiology behind that. You can actually measure that now with the tools we have in, in healthcare and in science. And it's one of those, um, I find it funny that just that, that, that like, oh, it's a, you only feel better because it's like, it's like, it's like if you have, I don't know, I can't even think of a good example with placebo, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it out there too. It, but I, I think that the way your mind treats something and if it's willing to accept it and, and the mental state that you have when you go into any treatment mm-hmm. matters. I just and, thought of a good one. My friend who's um, a good friend of mine, she's a treat, she's an oncologist up in, in Vancouver, B.C. And uh, my father-in-law had uh, some issues with his prostate and was looking at the different treatment options. And... Uh, so he was looking at seeding or radiation or prostatectomy, and um, I phoned her and I said, "Hey, I need your help. I need your opinion. You know, I need your advice." And I said, "Which one should he get?" And he goes, "She goes, which one does he want to get?" I said, <laughs> I said, "Which one's better?" She goes, "Which one does he want to get?" And right. I said, "Well, he's thinking of going radiation." She goes, "Okay, get, I'm get radiation." I said, "Well, which one's best?" She goes, "For him, it's going to be radiation because he's already mentally made that choice." And, right. And if they would have chose seeding and then she would have said seating because that's what her studies had shown that whatever the patient is involved in wanting to do, they yep. will have better outcomes. Yeah. And the, um, there's a, I don't even know if I can say this on a podcast, but I will, I guess, because <laughs> I don't know if you've, you know, if you've heard of ozone therapy mm-hmm. at all, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they have to put on the bottle because of the FDA rules, it has to say, it says, it basically has to say, if you experience any relief from this product, it's a placebo effect. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> and so anyway, I have a, um, a, one of the topical sprays that they've used. It's sort of like, you know, your, your magnesium sprays and yep. stuff that you use. And I was using it for two days and felt a significant difference um and i don't know if it's again it might be because i maybe it is a placebo effect because i've been doing a lot of research on ozone therapy lately and i've used the oil pulling that's ozone and i've used now the spray and in two days i felt better to the point where i'm thinking about you know having a patient who i i know has some joint pain try it on the joints and so it is who knows well i know there is people that are doing ozone injection like the injectable Injections, stuff yeah. which i mean it, it's outside of what i now know but i mean it's stuff i've looked at i mean laser therapy right laser it's light yeah. right like everyone's like oh it's placebo it's like 
Okay. It feels better though. <laughs> if, I know. It, if it works, right? If yeah. we have the science to show it. I, I mean, it's one of those, I'll explain a lot of times the science of laser to patient and then, you know, they'll look at me and they're like, what does it do again? And I said, well, it's my red light that makes pain go away. And they're like, yeah, okay, let's just do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they used to do that on our dog or dog Madison who had um, some bad hips. We used to have pictures of her with the goggles on mm-hmm. for the laser. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it helped her greatly. We really think that. So yes, it is a big deal to believe in what you're doing. You have to have that sense of at least understanding. And that's why, I mean, my big thing is to make sure a patient understands what we're about to do. And I also, you know, think for patients that they have always control of telling a doctor, like, I don't want to do this, right? Yeah, that's not going to work for right. me. Right. That's yeah. not going to work for me. I've had it done before. I don't like it. it. Another person did it. And I appreciate that feedback or that communication mm-hmm. from a patient because gives a better doctor patient relationship. It helps build that trust. It helps build that open dialogue so we can try to make things as positive as possible. Yeah, for sure. And then I think this is making everything come full circle, but our last myth was that chiropractors are only in this to make money. And I, I think that comes full circle from your why because and what we've talked about in between. Yeah. I mean, scuba diving, teaching that down in the Bahamas, <laughs> could have been doing that for the last three decades. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things I always tell patients. I do this because I love it. If I wanted to do something to make money, I, I picked the wrong profession. Um, I make a living, um, which is, I think at the end of the day, if you can have, you know, helping people and make your living doing that, um, it's 100%, you, you know, you found, you found your calling, right? You, you don't have to, um, you know, begrudgingly go into work and work for the man and, and do these things that you, in your heart, don't believe, but you're constant, constantly day in and day out doing the things that have worked for you and helped you and can help somebody else. Yeah, and I think last thing before I have you promote, you know, where folks can connect with you, I think it's important, too, to just lay out different chiropractors do different things. Not every chiropractor is trained in Groston. I know some chiropractors, I think, do craniosacral therapy. Some don't. So, you know, it is important to investigate that. But I think one thing that you've always been good with and have helped patients with is if they're needing supplementation or if they are needing some nutritional advice, being able to interject. Again, this goes back to roots of functional medicine. Yep. So I think maybe just state how, you know, your scope of practice, you you can talk about those things with, with patients also. Yeah, one of the things that I need to do actually Monday morning is write a script for one of my patients for the nutritional products that we gave her to help her with some of the things that she's going through so that she can have her insurance reimburse her for it. And not that I have to do that for everybody and not would I, you know, if your insurance company has it, then we have the ability to do that. But understanding the relationship of what you put in your body is very important and also what you don't put in your body. Like, the two biggest ones that I tell patients is, you know, magnesium, vitamin D. I mean, you know that. Across I hit, the board. Right? I hit yep. that over the head all the time, and everyone's like, why? And I'm like, well, because the research shows 70 to 80% of patients are deficient in magnesium and in vitamin D. And if you're deficient in those two things, one of the main things that you have as a symptom is muscle pain, joint pain, you know, some pains in your body. And so if you don't, I mean, those are fairly easy to hit. The uh, grand scheme of things, it's not very expensive supplementation to cover it. Um, people kind of get confused when I tell them, well, there's, you know, there's multiple different types of magnesium. There's seven different types yeah. of magnesium. And when you go through the different vitamins, there's quite a few different 
levels and there's different levels or different types or standards even of, of supplementation. There's some supplementation you probably don't want to take. It mm-hmm. goes back to like the Metamucil example you gave where yep. there's some additives in there that may actually be counterintuitive to what you're trying to, to help a patient with that their body doesn't need, in fact, will revolt against. Um, and so understanding a good supplementation when you need it, is it something that you need to have like gasoline in a car? And to me, vitamin D, which you can get from getting to the end of the sun. But then again, if you put sunscreen on, you're not going to be producing right, any. Right. So like... If a gun was put to my head, I, you know, magnesium would be my one of choice because here in the sunshine state, we can just have people go outside and you know, not put their sunscreen on for a little bit right. and get that vitamin D production from their own body as um, long as all things are working properly. Um, but yeah, it's important to know that they have a training. And I did, um, I did a, basically all the classes to sit for the, for the board exam in nutrition, which is a separate um, diplomate. And I, you know, for me, everyone's like, why didn't you sit for the exam? It was money, right? For the cost. And they, right now they don't limit us from being able to, it's within our scope of practice to talk about nutrition. Right. So, it, but it's important to also understand that the doctor has the knowledge and if they don't, you know, it's okay. Like for me, it's like, you and I all know this, like, I don't expect my patients to rely solely on me. I want them to build a healthcare team. I never get upset at a patient right. that they went to another chiropractor. They went to right. somebody else. Like that's your journey and that's yep. what you need to, you know, you need to be true to you. And it's not, I've had patients come, I cheated on you. I'm like, you didn't cheat on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you basically were seeking what you needed to seek because I'm not, you know, the tools I have maybe aren't a solution for everybody. Well, that's what we had to do. This was full disclosure for me is, you know, Dr. Allen and I are very close and I had some issues with vertigo and, you know, we were, we were making inroads, but what we weren't, it wasn't going away. And, um, just on, you know, I guess I Dr. Google, Google as much as anyone, but I can also <laughs> decipher pretty well on Dr. Google what's a reputable source and what's not. Right. All of a sudden start seeing all these symptoms I'm having that are, from what I could see, an upper cervical problem where a manual adjustment can be detrimental sometimes to these upper cervical problems. I had to go to another chiropractor to get a different kind of adjustment to a chiropractor who specialized in the upper cervical area. Mm -hmm. So I still go to to Dr. Allen for maintenance. I guess I shouldn't say maintenance, but it's maintenance. You know, it's maintenance. (laughs) Um, It's tune-ups. You know, I'm still going to see him. We, We still adjust some things, but I leave the upper cervical part at least to usually, you know, to my other chiropractor. And so... I had to do it. And you were the first first thing he said to me, just so everyone knows he's not full of you know what. He said to me, I can help you, but I can't help you like he can. And so the first thing he said was signed off on that for me to, to go do that. And that was hard for me because, you know, we're such good friends and I trust everything you do. And so if that doesn't show you that he's out for, you know, the greater good and helping people feel better, I don't know what does because you know, I was in there to see you all the time. And so he, and you were trying so hard to help me too. And that's the thing I would say when I was having trouble, um, let's say even when I was trying to get diagnosed, uh, you know, figure out what was going on before I got diagnosed with MS. And when I was going through this vertigo, like the people that helped me, it's funny, the two people that helped me the most and just were so interested in trying to figure out what was going on and helping me uh, continuously was a dermatologist that I had and really had nothing to do, obviously, with her field. Right. But she was trying so hard. And then a chiropractor. 
So, you know, and that's long before I got into functional medicine, but just so you know that he's on the up and up and I, I think everyone knows by now I wouldn't have anyone on the podcast that <laughs> didn't influence me greatly and influence me on a day-to-day basis. So we probably have to do a separate podcast on supplementations because I could go yeah, down that rabbit hole. There are a lot of choices and there are certain supplement companies I trust and certain ones I don't. And there are ones I know that are good and ones that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. I would just tell you, if you're going to your drugstore to get supplements, you're probably not getting the best supplements, and there's a good chance your body's not absorbing them. So that would be my general sense. Yeah. You, I mean, ideally, the best way to get nutrition, if you can get it, is for what you eat on a daily basis, right? I mean, I think everyone should agree on that. There is certain things, just like I said, just because they're not in our food supply, they're not readily available, magnesium being one of them, is is why everybody's deficient. And it's understanding, you know, the importance of the role of the, on the heart, on muscles, on brain, on everything that magnesium plays, it's over 400 different um, functions in terms of the, the roles yeah. it plays in the human body. So you have to make sure that you not only are, are getting a good type of magnesium, not the one that just helps you go to the bathroom, right? right. Which will be readily available and super cheap at your local drugstore. Um, but you need to know which one to get um, and which ones to get and how to combine them. And that's where you need some t- of that help, right? Of, of specializing yep. in terms of what do I need, you know, and when do I need it? And we could probably talk for four or five well, hours. Well, we could probably just literally do a podcast on magnesium and vitamin D. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. Nope. I, there's so much out there. Like I like a D3K2, especially as you get older. And if you're looking at bone health, that, that K2 is going to help you absorb calcium. And so, you know, I've seen people that were dosing vitamin D who are super low, like my mother-in-law, for instance, mm-hmm. they weren't going to test her vitamin D. I asked the doctor to test her vitamin D. It was 13, 13, but she's, she doesn't take a lot of supplements. Mm-hmm. She's 89 and not on a single medication, which is the doctor's like double check with us to make sure that's actually true. Right. And I'm like, no, she's 89 and not on a, on a, but if I give her some vitamin D, this may help her. She, she, uh, B12, she needs some B12. But honestly, like the fact that the doctor didn't want to test that. And then I think the doctor, um, wanted to dose very low, like a, a thousand IU. And I'm thinking like with a 13. So the prescription that they would write for her with low right. vitamin D started at 25,000 IU per one time per week, went to 50,000 IU once per week because they realized they weren't having a big enough effect on the, on the number on the blood work. Um, the funny thing I find is once they get patients, like they'll get patients to repeat their blood work for their vitamin D once they have checked it and put them on some type of intervention, which is the pharmaceutical, um, version of the vitamin D three. Once yeah. it's normal, then they take them off and I'm like, what? Yeah, no. Why are you taking them off? <laughs> no. Like, why didn't they keep you on it? Anyway, the bottom line is you do want to know your levels and get them. But a lot of times insurance, they're not they're not doing vitamin D with general blood work, which is kind of scary to me, is that most people, there's a lot of people out there that don't know. They weren't, she's 89, they weren't going to test her vitamin D. Yeah. I mean... I would ask for it is my point to, to people out there is, is, and someone like you, you can run those labs. Yeah, we can definitely run those. Usually the insurance company won't cover them if they're through a chiropractor, um, just because of scope of practice situations. But I always tell patients like that's where you have to stand up and make sure that you're 
have a list of things that you, and typically I tell patients, write them down. When you're mm-hmm. going to go see your doctor, write them down because they're going to be in there for five minutes. Yeah. You know, if you're lucky, 10, you got them for 10 minutes. And he or she's going to basically, yeah, trying to go through their checklist of everything they need to do to make sure that they hit all the insurance points so that they're going to at least get reimbursed, you know, for doing the proper stuff that mm-hmm. they're supposed to do. And if you kind of get sucked into that tidal wave of, of rush, then you're not going to have what you went in there for address. So if you said like, you know, yes, I want my yeah. CBC and I want a chem 10, and I, but I would like the vitamin D checked. The other big thing I think I wish it would check more is the inflammatory level. And that yeah. could be a whole nother. CRP. They yeah. don't, they're not checking CRP, but they're, they'll tell you your overall cholesterol. But they, this was another good one. Going back to my, I'm going down a rabbit hole, I know. But my <laughs> mother-in-law, they, I asked them to test their cholesterol. I, was, I wasn't asking for an NMR lipid profile or anything. Right. I was just asking to see the good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, triglycerides, glucose, A1C, insulin, all that. Yep. They literally, I've never seen this before. The only cholesterol number they gave me was her total cholesterol. So I don't even know what that number was made up of. I guess I who it's would do that? Yeah, it's that is completely useless. <laughs> the total cholesterol number means zero. And cool. they just gave me a total number. That was it. No good, bad, triglycerides, nothing. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that if you don't know, this is truly the case of what you don't know may hurt you. Right? Yeah. Because... Yeah, that would be a whole, I mean, we could talk for That's days. another rabbit hole. Well, we'll put these on the list. We'll put these on the list. Well, why don't you tell people now how they can reach out? Uh, you know, you're obviously, if you're, if you're a local person listening to this, Dr. Allen has offices here in um, Ocoee and also in Claremont. So why don't yep. you talk about how people can reach out to you? You're not very active on Instagram. You know, I see more about your kids' sports, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, for me... I don't, everyone says like, I get the, I'm not even going to refer you patients anymore because it's hard, so hard to get in. But the, the, the grand scheme of things. I have said that for yeah. the record. <laughs> You're not the only one. Um, <laughs> we've got two other doctors. I, uh, my business partner, Dr. Alex Roa and uh, Dr. Uh, Montana Lichter, both who are at the office. I think you've seen Dr. Montana. I have. I love Dr. Yeah. Montana. She's great. We are at Quantum Care Medical Sports and Injury. Uh, we're in a COE just off of 50 and where the turnpike 429 is our main office. We have x-ray, we have uh, IDEXA there for body composition. That's our big main center. And then we have our like, a little house on the prairie out in Claremont, which is uh, right just off of Cit- uh, Citrus Tower or where the Citrus Tower is. It's actually off Grand Highway and uh, Frontage Road. It kind of backs onto 27. And uh, I'm there on Tuesdays, and <clears throat> it's open Fridays with Dr. Montana and Dr. Roa on Thursdays, um, and that's our satellite office. Um, I can be reached by email, probably easiest, drsidorsky at gmail.com. I, I post when you beat I, me up, though, yeah, and tag I, you. Just so, yeah. You've probably done more social media for me than I've, I've done. I probably have. <laughs> yep, I probably have. But I'll, I will link all of it in the show notes so people awesome. can reach you. But you'll be back again. So this sure. is only uh, Arrivederci for now. But, but thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for coming out and doing this. Thank you for having me. Now that you've been inspired, here's my call to action for you. Take a moment to reflect on the insights and wisdom shared. Hopefully, you now understand more about chiropractic care and how it can be a great complement to your holistic health. I'm always up for talking about my experience in this area or anything else. I'd love to hear from you. So connect with me on social media and let me know what resonated with you. 
reach out on Instagram at wholehealthchristy. You can also get the full show notes for this and all episodes of my podcast on my website, christyhugic.com slash podcast. Next, spread the inspiration, like, follow, and if you can take a moment to leave a review so the messages get to more people, that would be awesome. Feel free to share this podcast with others who may benefit from these stories and this information. Stay tuned for the next episode of Ripple Effect Connection. Let's create waves of change together.